0: listening to a Garden City Chapel podcast by Dr. Robert Shaw. For a complete archive of podcasts, visit our website at www.gardencitychapel.com. Man, I invite you to open your Bibles to Luke, the Gospel of Luke chapter 11. I'm teaching through the Gospel of Luke and if you're interested, you can pick up earlier and later messages on our website. You're welcome to do that gospel of luke let me ask you this question when when you see somebody do something that amazes you or maybe they do something that you recognize i can't do that i'd like to learn do you ever go up to them and say just could you teach me how to do that i think that's why home improvement shows on television are so popular i think that's why cooking shows on television are so popular i hear a lot of people that watch cooking shows that don't cook I was actually sitting at a restaurant in Pauley's Island and had just ordered something and they made the mistake, I don't think restaurants ought to show cooking shows. Because <laughs> I was thinking, I'd rather have that. Could you have your cook, come out and watch this and make that for me. Just, you know, do it as he goes. Jesus' disciples came to him and they saw him praying and they asked him, teach us to pray. My goal this morning is not that you leave here with some new notes or information about prayer. My goal is is that we become prayers. His disciples didn't say, teach us about prayer. They said, teach us to pray. See, I've been to prayer conferences, and some of you have too. You've heard sermons preached about prayer, and yet I have to ask the question, has it affected our prayer life? I literally got a letter in the mail one day about a prayer conference. It was a prayer and fasting conference. Three days, prayer and fasting. And in the promo it said, all meals are included. (laughs) You're just going to talk about fasting, you're not actually going to do it. Either that or that was the way they figured we can really save money on this conference. People think they're getting a deal when they get here where they find out it's a fasting conference. The reason your meals were included in the price is there will be no meals. Well, let me read these first few verses as we look at this subject of prayer. As Jesus' disciples ask him, teach us to pray. Chapter 11, verse 1, it happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Jesus was praying. His disciples had seen Him pray. We know that there were times that He slipped away to a private place for prayer. But obviously, He also prayed in the presence of His disciples. In fact, I don't think they just walked in and saw Him praying. I think He was leading them in prayer. They heard Him conversing with the Father and they recognized He has a relationship with the Father that we don't have. And so they said, you've taught us a lot of things, but would you teach us to pray? We want to pray like that. We want to connect with the Father like we see you connect with the Father. We want that kind of relationship. And so they said, you know, back in those days, if you were a disciple of someone and you followed them, that's what that was all about. You were taught by them. And they said, John's disciples have taught him, his disciples, things. Jesus, would you teach us to pray? And so he says, okay, let me give you a model of, prayer. Now, if, if you've read this, most of us have memorized this prayer out of Matthew's gospel, and it's got a few more lines to it. It's, it sounds a little different, but it's basically the same thing, and this is Luke's account of this teaching on prayer. In fact, Luke talks more about the prayer of Jesus than any other gospel. We see snapshots of Jesus praying throughout his ministry, and Luke records those more than the other gospel writers do, and so he says, teach us To pray. So Jesus says, when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray. As you're praying, say this. First, Father indicates relationship. First word that Jesus teaches in them to understand who you're praying to. There was a noted pastor who a few years ago was asked to pray at a presidential inauguration. And a couple of things that bothered me about the request was, first of all, they asked him, would you send us a copy of your prayer beforehand so that we can approve it? He said, well, I can't do that. I haven't prayed it yet. And the second thing they said is, so that we don't offend anyone, don't pray in Jesus' name. He says, there's no point in writing a letter if you don't put an address on it. So Jesus is explaining to them, listen, I pray to the Father. That's who I pray to. So when you come to him, you pray Father, again, indicating relationship. And then he said, to understand the proper relationship that you have with the Father, start out with this, hallowed be your name. Understanding that the name of God, in fact, God Himself is to be revered. He is awesome. When we come into His presence, we should not do that casually or lightly. we come acknowledging, God, You are God. Your ways are higher than my ways. So I encourage you, don't just repeat these words. That's not what Jesus was saying. Don't just, every time you pray, repeat these words. It was, here's the model of prayer. Start your prayer understanding who you're talking to and how you're to talk to them. You're to address them as hallowed, literally made holy, consecrated, revered, and holy is your name. We don't really get it about names I was named, I was given the name Robert because the guy down the street's name was Robert. And my brother prayed for a, a brother for about five years, I guess, because he's five years older than me. Now, After I was born, he prayed that they'd take me back. But And so my parents let him come up with a name, and so I'm named after a guy that lived down the street. My middle name was after the doctor that delivered me. That's the significance of my name. The folks, in Bible times, names were an indication of your character. Your authority. And so that's what's being revealed here. Father, hallowed be Your name. In fact, we don't get it, but in the Jewish custom of that day, they wouldn't even say the name of God. That's how much they revered it. They wouldn't call Him Yahweh because they revered His name so much. Folks, when you enter a time of prayer, do we have that same kind of reverence for who it is we're talking to? And he says, your kingdom come. This is what Jesus is preaching the whole time he's been here. there's There's coming a kingdom. And so we're to recognize that also. God, use me however you want to, to accomplish your kingdom coming. But God, I recognize that you have a realm. You have a rule. You have an authority. It's not about me and my kingdom. It's about you and your kingdom. So God, however you answer this prayer. God, however the rest of this prayer is going to go about what I'm going to ask for. Bottom line is... Your God, hallowed be your name, and it's your kingdom that I'm most concerned about. Then, he, then it's about asking. So the first thing you do is you honor God. Second thing is you ask. You ask from God. And folks, I think sometimes it would be good for us just to watch little children. How do little children ask for things? No, they hold their breast up and, and scream. That's not it. That's not what I'm saying. A lot of times they simply just come and hold their hands up. And just recognize, I'm, I'm really dependent on you. If you don't feed me, I'm not going to get fed. If you don't provide for my needs, I'm not going to have my needs provided for. To come as a little simple child to God and recognize that God loves you. In fact, God is the giver of every good and perfect gift, according to James. And so you can come and ask Him for things. Now, don't get the order reversed. I think sometimes the bulk of our prayer is about what we're asking for, and that's kind of where we start our prayer. I think it's good to start your prayer as Jesus did, recognizing who God is. And it's okay if at the end of your prayer you never ask Him for a thing. Just acknowledging who He is. But if you've got a need, ask. And what Jesus put in just basic, simple language is, give us each day our daily bread. God, we're not asking you for bread for a year from now. (laughs) Or even a week from now, God, we recognize that you meet every need of life and we're dependent upon you. So we're just asking you every day, God, would you provide the basic essential necessities of life? We recognize that's where it comes from. And even the word daily bread simply means enough bread for tomorrow. That's what the word means. Bread for tomorrow. So ask. It may not be bread you're asking for, but it's the basic essentials of life. It's what you need. And then a time of confession. He says this, God, forgive us of our sin. In fact, he says, and we also will forgive everyone who's indebted to us. You know what you recognize when you recognize that God is forgiving you? Let me explain forgiveness for a second. To forgive means to send away. So when Jesus says you're asking God to send your sins away from you, to forgive you, the Bible tells us that God does that. He remembers them no more. He cast them in a sea of forgetfulness. They're gone. Now, you and I have a problem with that because we keep remembering them. In fact, I think the problem we have with the second part of forgiveness is we haven't received the first part. Let me explain that. The reason people I bump into in the church are so unforgiving is because I don't think they've really understood the grace of God that has forgiven them. Why is it that some of the meanest people I've ever met are at church? Well, it's a good place for them, (laughs) but some of them are preachers or in other leadership. They're just mean, and they're unforgiving. They're keeping a record of wrongs. God doesn't do that. So Jesus says, as you pray and you ask for God to forgive you, remember anybody that's indebted to you, and literally anybody that has sinned against you, anybody, the old way I learned it, trespassed against us. I'm going to forgive them of their trespasses. Not that you do that in order to earn God's forgiveness. No, you've already got His forgiveness. That's why you forgive them. Let that thought in this morning. As a child of God, you are forgiven. And so if you've been forgiven, why wouldn't you be forgiving of other people? And maybe your attitude is, yeah, but you don't know what they've done to me. As soon as that word hits your mind, you need to think, what have I done to God? I was an enemy of God. I literally was dead in my trespasses and sins. God has made me alive together with Christ. So there is absolutely nothing that I'm going to have to forgive somebody else of that's worse than what God has already forgiven me of. So part of our prayer needs to be about confession. God, forgive me. And God, I'll forgive others. And then the last thought of this model prayer is part of confession, but it's also part of asking, Lord, lead me not into temptation. It's that attitude of heart that says, God, I don't want to be put in positions where I'm going to be tempted to disobey You. Where I'm going to be tempted to find pleasure and meaning in life apart from You. Now here's the good news. James tells us God is not tempted by evil and God doesn't tempt anyone. If you're ever tempted... It's not God's fault. God didn't tempt you. In fact, the Bible tells us that Jesus was tempted in every way that we are and yet without sin. And He has provided a way of escape even for you, according to 1 Corinthians. So to pray, God, lead me not into temptation. And maybe you need to get specific in your prayers. God, as you forgive me, I recognize that I don't need to go to some of the places that I've been going because it's where I'm tempted and I've been yielding. God, would you even keep me from some of the places or some of the circumstances that I've been finding myself in. Rather than me as a believer rubbing off on them, I've allowed them to rub off on me. God, please forgive me. And don't lead me into temptation. Well, that's the model prayer. Then Jesus does something very interesting. It's something we see Him do now in these parables. He gives them an illustration. They asked Him the question, Teacher, please teach us to pray. And so He gives them this model prayer. Not that they were to quote verbatim these words but that this ought to be the gist, the model of their prayer. Then he says, let me just give you an illustration. Verse 5, he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he answers and says says, do not bother me. The door has already been shut and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. The disciples have asked, teach us to pray. And so Jesus says, well, let me, let me just share with you an illustration. Let's suppose that you are a homeowner and somebody comes and visits you. He's putting the disciples in this place. And he says, they were unexpected. They got there at midnight. You were probably already asleep when they got there, and you recognize as part of hospitality, I need to offer them something to eat. So you think, I don't have any bread, so I'm going to go ask my neighbor. So you knock on your neighbor's door. It's midnight, remember. Your neighbor is asleep. In fact, in that day, they would have slept, the family would sleep in one section of a one-room house, probably on a raised platform, and their animals would be in there asleep also. So just the knock on the door is risking what, raking the entire household up. It says now if you went to your neighbor and said a friend of mine's come from a journey, and he's hungry, I need I need three loaves. Now get in your mind too; these are not like when you go to the grocery store and buy a loaf of bread. <laughs> You're thinking how's this guy going to eat three loaves of bread? They would have been very small loaves, and really just those three would have been enough for one person's meal. And he says, if you were to do that, your friend would say, I can't get up and give you anything. We're asleep. For that person to get up and go in and get the bread out is going to wake up his wife, the children, the animals. The whole house is going to be in chaos. Hey, go away. But he says, even though he won't get up because you're his friend, because of your persistence. In fact, the word could be translated your shameless persistence. Folks, applying that then to our prayer. How are we persistent? Well, I'll tell you, in this guy's case, he kept knocking on the door saying, no, I need you to get up, because he had nowhere else to go. He couldn't go back to his house and get bread, and he didn't know anywhere else to go. When you get to that point in your relationship with God where you recognize there's nobody else that can meet this need. I'm at the end of my rope. That's when you become persistent. That's when you become bold and unashamed. To say, God, I've got to have this from you. In fact, here's the good news. In Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, it says this, Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Is it okay to be persistent in your prayer? Yes. In fact, later on in this passage, that's exactly what Jesus is going to say to do. Be persistent persistent because of his persistence i tell you he's going to get up and give you as much as you need so jesus has given them a model he's given them an illustration lastly he gives them the practice so i say to you you've asked me to teach you on prayer i've kind of given you a model your prayers ought to look a little bit like this then i've given you an illustration to to let you understand that if you recognize you have a need you come before god and you keep asking Verses 9 and 10 then are the practice. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Something you need to see in this passage, these two verses here are: is that these words, ask, seek, and knock, are continuous actions. It doesn't mean that we kind of just ask one time or that we seek one time or that we just knock once. But Jesus is saying, as you pray and you recognize you have a need, keep on asking. Have a prayer list. You ever do that? Keep a notebook. Keep a journal where perhaps you write out some of your prayers or your Bible study. In fact, keep a little thing. This is what I'm praying for, God. And then I'd encourage you to write a date when you know that prayer's been answered. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Ask and it will be given. In Second Corinthians chapter twelve, verses eight and nine, I've asked the question: Okay, if I ask, do I always get what I ask for? Well, you're either going to get what you ask for or an equivalent to what you ask for. Let me explain what that means. Sometimes God answers prayer in a way you don't expect but it is always for your good. I'm thankful that God doesn't always answer prayers the way I pray them. Why? Because I'm not God. I may pray for something not understanding the circumstances, not understanding the consequences of that answered prayer. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 and 9, Paul tells us about a prayer of his. Look at this. Concerning this, I Paul's talking about his thorn in the flesh that was there to humble him. He said, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. He said, I asked God three on three separate occasions, please take this thorn away from me. And here's what God said. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. And so you could say, well, God never answered that prayer of Paul to take the thorn away. Yes, he did answer the prayer. The answer was no, I won't take it away. But my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. Yes, I heard your prayer but my grace is sufficient for you. And you've heard this said before. Answers can come in three in three forms. You could ask for something of God and God says yes. Sometimes God says no, and thank God for that. Sometimes God says wait. What do you do while you're waiting? Well, you keep asking. To seek. Again, a, a continuous word. In fact, the root of the word is the word we get where we get our word worship. So to continue to seek God, to continue to worship God in the midst of your need. Hebrews eleven six 6, that passage of faith says this, Without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. As you continue to seek God, you're rewarded by what? By God's presence. God's not hiding from you. He's there to be found. He wants that kind of relationship with you. And then knock. Again, continuous knocking. And it will be open. Let me close with this thought. You know, you read this and you think, you know, the Bible tells us God knows every need that we have. So then why pray? I mean, I could back that up. Jesus was God, Emmanuel, God with us, right? So why did He pray? I could give you a long list, but I'm just going to give you a few. And again, why do you need to pray? If God knows your needs, why do you need to pray? Why is that part of the Christian economy that God wants us to pray and that Jesus would teach his disciples to pray? Just a few thoughts. Number one, prayer was modeled by Jesus. I think one of the reasons we pray is because it's what Jesus did. He modeled it for us. Secondly, prayer maintains or helps maintain an intimate fellowship with the father. Yes, God wants you to give. God wants to give you every good and perfect gift. But parents think about this. If all you ever do is just, you know, give things to your kids that you don't have a relationship with, there's not really any joy in that. Part of the joy in giving gifts is that relationship that is developed and built in it. Part of the joy God has in us asking from him is is that it's not just prayers, not just about asking. It's about the fellowship with God that we're talking to Him, we're spending time with Him. Some of our prayers need to be about listening. Perhaps God has something to say. I, I used to think when I was praying, I used to meet this guy at our church several years. It's been a long time ago. When I was in North Carolina, I used to meet a guy, and we just held each other accountable to prayer. And he'd come in one door in the morning. I'd come in another door. We'd never say anything to each other. But I knew if he wasn't there, he was going to call me. If I wasn't there, he was going to call me to find out why I didn't get up and go pray. And if he wasn't there, I'd do the same thing. So I'd get up and go and, and pray. And it seemed like I was being interrupted in my prayers constantly. And it finally dawned on me, you know what? I'm doing all the talking. Maybe it wasn't that I was being interrupted by the enemy. Maybe God was trying to say something. So I started keeping a notebook. And any time a thought came to my mind while I was praying, I'd write it down. Maybe it was during prayer that God was saying, you need to do this. You need to call this person. You need to see this person. Or you need to do this. And it wasn't like I was working out my calendar or day timer that day. But it was I was just listening to God as I was praying. Last thing, perhaps most important. Prayer reminds us of our dependence on God for everything. Again, if God met our needs without us making a connection that it's coming from Him, we begin taking God for granted. Admit that you're helpless. And here's the good news. God answers prayer. Don't raise your hand, but just ask yourself this question. Do you really believe that? Do you believe that God hears prayers and that God answers prayers? I think we would all say yes. So then the question that convicts me is, then why don't we pray more? I've heard people say, Well, you know, I just feel funny praying by myself. Then get somebody to pray with you. One of the ways to hold yourself accountable to prayer is to have a prayer partner. Somebody that you can pray with. And here's the last thought I want to leave you with. Here's the good news. We didn't have Jesus teach us to pray, we do through this passage. But in Romans eight, here's something we have Romans eight, twenty six and twenty seven. In the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we don't even know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Let's pray together. Father, my goal for today, my prayer for myself and for these people is not that we would know about prayer, but God, that we would be prayers. And Lord, it is a comfort to me to know that, Lord, there's times I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to put into words the inner longings of my heart. God, there's sometimes that I'm so troubled by things that I haven't even shared a prayer need with somebody else. I didn't even know how to ask. And yet I thank you that you invite us into your throne room. You tell us in Hebrews that we can come boldly, with confidence, into your throne. God, not because of anything we've done but because of our relationship with you through the blood of Jesus Christ. And God, that there we find mercy and grace to help in time of need. God, I thank you that your Holy Spirit helps me pray, intercedes on my behalf even with groanings too deep for words. Lord, when I'm at the end of my rope with words, the Spirit takes even those inner groanings of my my heart and communicates that to you thank you that you're a God who hears prayer and you're a God who answers prayer. You're a God who longs to hear from your children. God, help us tomorrow and next week and a year from now. Lord, remember that prayer needs to be about honoring and adoring you. God, it needs to be about asking you for our needs. and God, it also needs to be about maintaining that fellowship. God, by acknowledging that, Lord, where we failed and those folks that we need to forgive. So God, again, help us to be prayers. We ask this in Jesus' name.